Hey, it's Danny Pellegrino from Everything Iconic. Ready to upgrade your style game without blowing your budget? Check out Quince. They've got all the good stuff, shirts and polos, activewear and fine leather goods, all at 50% to 80% less than other high-end brands. And the best part? They're all about safe, ethical and responsible manufacturing. Get that luxury vibe without the luxury price tag. Hit up quince.com slash upgrade for free shipping and 365-day returns on your next order. That's quince.com slash upgrade. Even when we're on a budget, we still deserve nice things. Quince is a place to scoop up stunning high-end goods for 50 to 80% less than similar brands. They have buttery soft cashmere sweater starting at $50, luxurious Italian leather bags, and so much more. Plus. Quince only works with factories that use safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. Get the high-end goods you'll love without the high price tag with Quince. Go to quince.com style for free shipping and 365-day returns. Hello and welcome to Film Chat, a podcast which is the answer to the following questions. Who seduces an angel? Who strips in space? Who conveys love by hand? Who gives up the pill? Who takes sex to outer space? Who's the girl of the 21st century? Who nearly dies of pleasure? The other answer to those questions is, of course, Barbarella, the eponymous heroine of the 1968 sci-fi nonsense film starring Jane Fonda. When not taking sex to outer space, this podcast reviews and otherwise rambles on about movies. Here to give up the pill with you are me, Sam Foster, and my highly sexual friend, Danny Moran. Ooh, hello. <laughs> On this week's episode of Film Chat, Something Wicked This Way Comes, by which I mean there is a wicked episode coming up. Is this a review of Macbeth I see before me? Yes it is, as we will be reviewing the latest adaptation of Shakespeare's most lultastic play, starring Michael Fassbender and Marion Cotillard. Cotillard? How do you pronounce this? No, that's that's exactly how you pronounce it. Perfect. We also catch up on the casting news surrounding Korean Wunderking Bong Joon-ho's latest film, Wonder why Marvel have hired a director whose previous films grossed about a pound to helm the latest full movie and really examine this whole Brian Blessed midwifery business in a lot of detail. Or at least that's assumed. That's, that might happen, I don't know. I mean, I'm talking about the future now. It's mad. Uh, all of which leaves me time to sing every Beatles song from every album they released backwards, both in order of track listing and in terms of the actual lyrics, from Mine Her Make to Going I'm Someday to Seventeen Just Was She Well, in a segment that, though incredibly confusing, will undoubtedly make the final cut. <laughs> wow, that sounds really like a virtuoso performance from you. Yeah, I look forward to it. It's gonna happen. Films, 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 lots of films, 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 films. He's good films, bad films, fun films, sad films, films we love, weird films, Lars von Trier films, old films, new films, some John Boo films, films that star Peter Fitch, films by David Lynch, films short, films six hours long, we've got films up to your gills with films, 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 Danny, you launched the inaugural Film Chat caption competition this week. Yeah. The first of what will almost certainly be many. I I presume so. So you posted a picture of Martin Scorsese lying on a lilo that was shaped like a donut in the middle of a pool. Yep. 
He looks. How would you describe how he looks? Relaxed. He looks relaxed. He looks kind of confident. He looks happy. He's he's pretty satisfied with his um, extremely successful career directing acclaimed films. Yeah, it's been a while since Kundun. Everyone's forgotten about it. Yeah, no one remembers Kundun, and he's probably quite happy about that. So you challenged our listeners and Facebook page likers to come up with captions for this um, yeah. image. Steph Mildinner. Hi, Steph. Hi, Steph. <laughs> well, the, the, a lot of the, a lot of the, we should say that like, a lot of them revolve around puns based on the names of his movies. Yeah. So if you haven't, if you're not that familiar with his Earth, I would, you know, stop listening right now and go do something else. Um, Steph <laughs> says, Raging Pool, Snack Seat Driver. Um, Dan Knoll suggests Taxi Diver, another take on a similar kind nice. of theme. Dugan McQueen suggests The Deflated. We'll play on The Departed there. Very, very nice. Um, Todd James Phillips um, suggests this is like this is more like what Scorsese is saying there, which yeah. is really more in the spirit of a cash competition. Todd suggests no, 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 Leo, Oscar first, donut second. Um, yeah. Leo, Leo loves Lilos. Yeah, and he hasn't got an Oscar. And he hasn't got an Oscar. Jake Hoskins has a few suggestions: Hunger Pangs of New York, <laughs> Good Sprinkles, The Last Temptation of Christ was a delicious donut. <laughs> Alice doesn't live here anymore since you ate all her donuts. And the king of comedy Lilos. <laughs> How about <laughs> the the last one is probably the best one. Uh, Alice Donut live here anymore. <laughs> <laughs> I like that. Thanks. Thanks. What well, I think you went, Danny. Well, well is that any more? Joe McCormick suggests DVD cover for My Voyage to Italy. <laughs> That's funny. Well, uh, for those who don't know, uh, Scorsese did this documentary all about Italian cinema where he visited Italy and, like, the film sets and talked about neorealism and stuff. So he literally did Voyage to Italy. So the image of him just doing that... <laughs> on, a, a on a Lilo show. On a Lilo. That's funny. Yeah, good one, Joe. Um, real Cine Easter. Yeah, one for, the, one for the real film fans exactly, out there. Exactly, yeah. Um, and Dan Knowles uh, came back with another suggestion. He says, I've got it. Diving boardwalk umpire. But... <laughs> <laughs> uh, <laughs> I think he was probably quite happy with, like, diving boardwalk, but then he saw an opportunity in the word empire as well. Umpire? Isn't that just for tennis, though? I think it's mainly for tennis and cricket. <laughs> I don't know what a diving... <laughs> Do they call the judges in diving competitions umpires? I don't know. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, this is a word, isn't it? It sounds a bit like empire. Yeah, I don't know about that one, Dan. How about empire? Uh, because it would be like a pier yeah. where there might be some swimming happening. And M is the first letter of his name. So it's... <laughs> yeah. <laughs> it's like the M pier. Yeah. That's good. I like your improvements on on listeners' suggestions. Yeah. You've got right. a good... They're sort of coming in and you're like tweaking them, making them better. You're yeah. like Mozart in that scene in Amadeus where he listens to Salieri's march <laughs> and then improves it on the spot. Embarrassing. I guess him. I'm like the Mozart of, <laughs> of capture competitions. <laughs> competitions. Yeah. Yeah. I always thought that, but it's good to hear someone else say it. Yeah. You're the Mozart of many things. Um, yeah. But foremost amongst them is capture competitions. So, Danny, who would you suggest is uh, who's the winner? Who's your who's your favorite one? Um, I like the Hunger Pangs in New York because it's so <laughs> different. Just because it's on a donut. I mean. <laughs> yeah. I can it's I can so picture contrived. him looking at the IMDb page now. Um, okay, well, let's give it to Jake Hoskins for Hunger Pangs in New York. I'm happy yeah. with that with okay. that choice. Well done, Jake. We'll send you a box of Lilos. Um, <laughs> Don't make these kind of claims. <laughs> we can't back them up. You might as well say anything. We'll <laughs> give you £7,000. <laughs> Enjoy. Enjoy your £7,000. Write in to let us know what you spent all that money on. 
and what is possibly the greatest news since Piggate. Um, <laughs> Brian Blessed told this absolutely hilarious story <laughs> on the radio radio about when he was like in 1963, he was jogging. Jo- oh, sorry, I'm just so excited. I can't even get through the sentences. Uh, in 1963, he was jogging through Richmond Park, and there was just a woman giving birth under a tree. But luckily, he just sort of knew how to do it because of his upbringing. He'd just been around babies so much. So he delivered this baby, bit through the umbilical cord, and apparently, like, licked the baby. Why? Um, Why did he lick the baby? I don't know. He's talking about, he's talking about like, you have to get the afterbirth out, and he's got to clean up the baby and comforting the woman. And it's absolutely bizarre. But the headline was... I bit for an umbilical cord and licked an infant. <laughs> it's the greatest headline ever. It's pretty amazing. I didn't actually read the story. I just sort of saw the various headlines about it. And I assumed that this had just happened. <laughs> no, it this, was is like like, sort of this is like 50 years ago. It's 70s or whatever old he is now. Yeah. Uh, Brian Blessed with his huge beard. It's like giant mouth appearing. Um, yeah, it's, it, is, it is fantastic news. And I hope that sort of baby is still around. That was 50 years ago. So I imagine someone from the Evening Standard is now like quite frantically scouring, um, trying to find the baby, trying to find who that baby is, so they can tell the story from their perspective. Yeah, yeah. Did you know? Do you remember your like was your first experience <laughs> on this earth having your Hello! face? <laughs> like a sort of giant beardy man. Hello! Let me lick your face. Um, I don't know. It's probably it's probably what he said. <laughs> Um, so I posted on Facebook and I was just thinking, like, it got me thinking, like, if you're a woman giving birth in Richmond Park, which celebrity would you want to appear suddenly and bite the umbilical cord and deliver your baby for you? Yeah. And, uh, Todd Phillips suggests Richard Keel. The actor who played Jaws. Yeah. Because he'd be really good at biting things. He's very Assuming good. he's got those metal teeth on him all the time. I have a question about, I haven't seen, um, <laughs> the film he stars in, Jaws. <laughs> Spy Love Me and Moonraker is in two. Yeah. I haven't seen either of those films, right? So he has metal teeth, right? Yeah, yeah. But does he have, like, correspondingly powerful jaw? Like, it seems he... so. There's a bit does... where Bond's trapped on, like, a cable car, like, half up a slope, and he starts biting through the cable. Yeah. So he's going to fall down. So he can bite through a ski cable. Right. So but a medical like, cord would be a walk in the park. Like, if someone just said it. ironically, <laughs> <great bit. laughs> Ironically, I don't know. That's not the right use of the word. But, like, you know what I mean? Like, if someone just filled your mouth with metal, it yeah. wouldn't mean you could bite through a cable, right? You just, you just be, you just have a metal mouth. It's true. You wouldn't be even Maybe better at biting. Maybe it's, like, so sharp, it's just, you know... Right. It's, like, razor sharp. It's, like, yeah, exactly. Anything goes in there, you just need the slightest bit of pressure, because it's so yeah. sharp. Or maybe he just is naturally born with incredibly powerful jaws, and they were sort of enhanced. Like Wolverine. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, yeah. He's got one power, like Wolverine, but just for the teeth. Yeah. yeah. So, like, when he was growing up, someone noticed that he was always getting through his Weetabix very rapidly and uh, demolishing pineapples without preparing them beforehand and that kind of thing. Yeah. You know, and they were like, this guy's got. Pips. <laughs> just ate that stone. <laughs> yeah. I mean, he would just eat a whole avocado and leave yeah. no trace. Exactly. <laughs> and so they were probably like, you know, this deserves some uh, time and effort. You know, he could be a royal henchman one day. <laughs> anyway, thanks for the suggestion, Todd. It's, it makes a lot of sense. James Andrews. Uh, hi, James. Nice to hear from you oh, again. Hi, James. Hey. James, welcome back. James says, definitely wouldn't want blessed. That would almost certainly elicit some serious psychosexual issues. Plus, you'd have to accept him as a disturbing father figure forevermore. 
again, hope to hear from the, the child involved. Yeah. If that's how they felt all their lives. James says, I'd like to be born into the tender but secure arms of Javier Bardem. Okay. Nice. He was um, a rugby player, so he's probably good at catching things. Right. I think he played for, like, Spain or something. Really? Amazingly. Yeah. Well, I might a... just be making this up. <laughs> but I'm pretty sure he was, like, a professional rugby player yeah. for a bit. And if there's one talent that a midwife needs, it's the ability to catch things. Catch a baby. It's coming out. You've got to catch it. A newborn baby is basically the size of a rugby ball, right? Mm. If not smaller. Yeah. So... And it's not coming at the same speed that a rugby ball would be in a game of rugby. It's like so a very slow rugby ball. What advantage? Yeah. Um, Ideal. So that's Great probably what, that's probably what James is thinking. Um, and Callum Russell says, "I hope the child was aptly named." And he has that picture: the Gordon. Gordon's alive. Gordon's alive. Yeah, he's got that one. Who would you go for? Who would I go for? Yeah. Um. It's nineteen ninety. Your mum's gone into labour. It's, it's got to be tree. like nineteen ninety. I don't it's know. It's like a nineteen ninety oh, yeah, era actually, no, Anybody? Anybody? So it's like Kevin Bacon or like <laughs> Hugh Grant or something. <laughs> Christian Slater, somebody's big in the early 90s. No, it can be anybody. Sorry, I don't know why I'm being specific. Um, I don't know, Harrison Ford, maybe. Yeah. Does it have to be a man? <laughs> no. I guess not. Who's in Call the Midwife? Miranda Hart? Do you think she just might have some sort of residual skills, like she went on a course to make a midwifery Yeah, scene. I'm not thinking of like, yeah. I mean, you'd have, I think maybe you answer the question, depends on your perspective. Like, are you the baby who's umbilical who's been bitten, or are you the mom giving birth, you know? Uh, yeah, good point. Like, which movie star makes you feel the safest, Danny? That's a sensible question. Ben Whishaw? Because <laughs> of Paddington. Such a lovely voice. He yeah. can be really soothing in a stressful situation. If he just started talking to me, I'd, be, I'd just calm the hell down. That's know? a really good, that's a good one. Yeah. He'd be just like, just calm down. It's going to be okay. I'm Paddington. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I'm sort of trying to think now for like a film star that I find to be like a very very soothing presence. But I'm Christopher not... Plummer, yes, why not? He's so charming. He's kind of old, but I'm sure he could handle. He's probably it. delivered some babies before. Well, he's guy so, is so old. I think there's only so many years you can live on this earth before you probably deliver one or two babies. He's probably like pushing ninety by yeah, now, isn't he? Exactly. I think Christopher Lee probably he probably delivered five babies by the end of World War Two. You know, he definitely. <laughs> if at least what, five. I'm not basing that on anything, but he probably did. So Christopher Plummer has undoubtedly, yeah. given the way he is around kids in the sound of music, you know, very comfortable. Oh, absolutely. Anyway, this is, conversation has gone into some interesting places. <laughs> thanks very much for all the Yeah, thanks, guys. Thanks for writing in. Appreciate it. Sick. You're all cool. You all win. You're all the real winners. Yeah. Yeah. Well done. Superhero films announced Casting rumours leaking out M. Night Shyamalan's film is hated Paul Thomas Anderson's is fated Meryl Streep's Oscar tipped Matt Damon's in a viral vid Michael Bay's made a mint That's the news that's fit to print So, exciting news Snowpiercer was on my films of the year last year Though sadly, those on Netflix I never got a cinema release in some places uh, including which, the UK, regrettably. Including the UK, which is a shame because it feels like that would have been his big uh, breakout international hit. Yeah, the director. It, the, yeah, director Bong Joon-ho. And it sort of is. I think it's got very strong word of mouth and it's really well received. But never fear, for there is a new international film he's gearing up for production, a monster movie called Okja. And uh, Tilda Swinton's already confirmed to star, which is always good news for any film. Absolutely. And now uh, Jake Gyllenhaal, Paul Dano, Kelly McDonald and Bill Nye are all on board. It's going to be an international cast, apparently with a Korean female lead, and then uh, all these other British actors and American actors set in New York, and it's a monster movie. 
I'm super excited. Well, he also directed The Host, right? The Host, which, which is probably... Sort of put him on people's radars. The Host is a, a really excellent monster movie, which I would highly recommend. It's a mutant tadpole tacking career. Yeah, I've been. this is a movie that I've been meaning to see for a very long time, but still haven't really got to get on it. I would say, this isn't a spoiler, but one of the greatest things about it is that the giant tadpole attacks in the first three minutes. Yeah. No dicking around. You watch Godzilla, it's like an hour before Godzilla turns up. Yeah, it's, like... it's absolutely nonsense. Yeah. You watch like, um, oh god, what's that film called? What's the one where it attacks New York? Yeah. Cloverfield? Cloverfield, yeah, I wanted to say Classroom for some reason. You watch Cloverfield, you've got to spend like 25 minutes watching their boring party, you know? Yeah. And this stupid party with these boring New Yorkers. It's like, come on, can we not have a giant monster right in New York already? So anyway, yeah, so it sounds really exciting. That's good, because, and also, um, the Skull Island's coming up soon, and they want to make another Godzilla film. Monsters are in. Monsters are in. But The Host is a very original and very fresh take on a monster movie, which is a genre which I feel is, like, very limited. Like, they're all kind of the same. Yeah. Big Monster Attack City. Or Big Monster isn't an island. Yeah, I those mean, are the two things. Yeah, like Cloverfield was just like exactly like every other one, except it had that um, camera, shaky camera yeah. thing. And what's so impressive about the host is that the story is really different, and it goes in all these different directions. Yeah, it's cool. So if he just replicates that, but more people see it, yes. Yeah, I mean, it's still absolutely mystifying to me why Snowpiercer didn't get a proper release with its like incredibly starry cast and like you know it's a sort of action movie. I don't really understand why they had to lose by releasing it. I don't know. Um, it's got some Captain America in it, for Christ's sake. Yeah. He's a huge, one of the biggest stars on Earth, yes. literally. Well, it's like a huge box office smash in Korea. The Koreans, maybe they just, you know... Maybe they just made so much money in Korea, they were like, I don't need to. There's no it. point. There's no money it. left. I'm already rich. Yeah. Move it all up. Yeah. it off in Korea. So, yeah, it's cool. I'm looking forward to seeing what he's going to do. I hope it comes out here. I know I've seen a Bong Joon-ho film, and uh, I know that your respect for me is quite low as a result. Yeah. So All uh, his films are great. I would say he's probably one of the most exciting directors working. Yeah. Like, new. He's in that sort of category of people where each new film is like, wow. Yeah, exactly. What's it going to be? Exactly. Yeah. Um, so, yeah. Look forward to it. So, more news. More stuff that just happened that we're telling you about. Um, so, Marvel has a reputation as a CGA for bringing on cool new talent into their directing pool. They're crazy. They take risks. They take risks. They take insane risks. They just, like, random postmen and, like, people think, like, the guy who makes his coffee is just, yeah. like, direct my next film. Your budget is 400 million. Go. They're always doing <laughs> And they all... It always pays off. It always pays off. All their risks pay off. That's what's so spectacular. And they may have taken their biggest risk yet. Okay? They've, um... Got in tour as a director for Thor Ragnarok. It'll be the third Thor film. Um, Thor has already been directed by two astounding directors. Kenneth Branagh, probably the greatest director of all time. He's like awesome worlds, except good. And, um, <laughs> except talented, except, you know? Yeah, he can act. Except he can fucking act. Love Branagh, hate Wells. And, um, uh, Alan, Alan Taylor directed oh. the second Thor movie. Greatest director of all time. Greatest director of all time. He just made probably one of the best films I've ever seen. <laughs> Terminator Genesis. Oh, so classic. How can you how can you follow those two guys? Well, they've hired uh, Taika Waititi, who recently co-directed What We Do in the Shadows, which was a small indie vampire comedy film previously discussed on Film Chat a couple of times. I liked it a lot. Danny liked it slightly less, but also liked it. Yes, <laughs> I did like it. 
Um, yeah, it's a, it is actually a very interesting choice. Pre- previous to that, he made Eagle versus Shark, which is a sort of cutesy pie, um, indie, awkward rom-com film, which was like pretty good. Yeah. And he's worked with Flood of the Concords um, quite a bit, directed a couple of their episodes. Yeah, he made a coming-of-age film called Boy as well. Oh, yeah, that was supposed to be really good, but... But yeah, I don't think his budget stretched over, probably hasn't even hit a million yet. No, I don't think so. It's mostly like his pal's pocket change so far. Um, What We Do in the Shadows had some very clever use of like low budget special effects. So maybe they picked up on that and were like, well, the way that uh, Jermaine Clement turned into a sort of cat with his face on it, it (laughs) looks pretty good. Um, Maybe he can handle a $150 million budget. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, I mean, this whole thing about Marvel making interesting directing choices or choices for directors is like true to an extent. But like Kenneth Branagh had made big budget movies before, and Alan Taylor had done like Game of Thrones and lots of HBO shows. So you know, yeah. he's he's filmed crowd scenes. This he's is definitely this is like more out where there, this guy yeah. is like only filmed uh, scenes which have like five people in them. Yeah, but like I like him. I like his sort of style, but. It's a very low-key, very New Zealand sense of humour. And I don't know how... It will if, translate. If, he, if he just wants to like go to Hollywood and make different kinds of films and he like made a really good pitch for it, or if they're like, we really need to push forward in a sort of awkward comedy direction. <laughs> <laughs> we want to make the third film a little bit more like a Flight of the Concords episode. Yeah. Yeah, it's odd, isn't it? Um, <laughs> I mean, I, it's a little bit like um, James Gunn, I guess, because James Gunn had never made a really big film, but he'd made bigger films than... Well, he made genre films. Yeah. Um, so even that is like closer. Yeah, like, this is the so. most out there selection. It's kind of close to what other studios have done with um, hiring uh, directors who have just like barely known or have only made one tiny film, um, like what's his face directed Fantastic Four. Oh, like um, um, and uh, like Josh Trank or Colin Trevorrow who've made these little indie films. And yeah, now. exactly. Or um, oh god, I don't have the names at my fingertips Gareth today. Gareth Edwards, exactly. Yeah, things like that. Well, the Gareth Edwards obviously like obviously a special effects guru, <laughs> um, which I don't think um, Taika. But take yeah, it sounds it. like I had literally no interest in Thor three Ragnarok. Yeah, at all. Now, now, but now I'm like, what the hell is that going to look like? Well, the only the only thing is that Marvel, even though it hires all these different directors and it makes a thing of of doing so, their movies kind of come out and they're like, you know, you can always see the studio's fingerprints all over them. Like, yeah, the, they're definitely producing. The power movies. of the director is like obviously quite limited, so it's quite odd in a way for them to choose people. I mean, yeah. maybe. It may be, in a way, because he's barely made any films, that it's like they, he will be very easy to control for Kevin Feige, you know, because, uh, yeah, because, like, who is he, you know? <laughs> um, so but they probably has an advantage for them that way. So if it just comes out and it's, like, the most generic film ever, like Thor was or something, then it'll be a little bit disappointing, you know? If it's, like, The Incredible Hulk, um, then it'll be like, why would they even bother hiring that guy? Yeah, yeah. To hire anyone. True. Um, so I hope it's got something of his touch in it. Yeah. yeah. Anyway, one to watch. It'll be interesting to see how that develops. Definitely. Way Titi is currently directing his next film called Hunt for the Wilder People. Um, and apparently he worked on the script for Disney's upcoming animation Moa. So maybe those movies will contain seeds of Thor. We'll see when they hide him. It'll cool. be Hunt for the Wilder People. It's like an epic. I hope so. I hope so too. Hiring for your small business? If you're not looking for professionals on LinkedIn, you're looking in the wrong place. That's like looking for your car keys in a fish tank. 
LinkedIn helps you hire professionals you can't find anywhere else, even those who aren't actively searching for a new job but might be open to the perfect role. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't even visit other leading job sites. So start looking in the right place. With LinkedIn, you can hire professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash people today. Um, so another strange blockbuster in the making is the Assassin's Creed adaptation from the popular video game, mm. which is going to be directed by Justin Kurzel, who directed Macbeth, which we'll be reviewing shortly. And uh, Snowtown, which was apparently relentlessly bleak. And he's got his Macbeth uh, stars, Cotillard uh, and Fazbender, back. And now Brendan Gleeson and Jeremy Irons have joined the cast. Uh, I didn't really know much about this game, but apparently it involves a everyman who's kidnapped by a high-tech organization and forced to relive the memories of assassins in the past and collect powerful objects. Yeah, it's a very strange thing. So this in this game, <laughs> you... Uh, like. This this game is now on iteration like seven or something like that. It's very popular. Uh, but in but in the first one, the sort of appeal of it is that you're in. Uh, I think it was set in like or crusades. Um, times. Yeah, crusade times. It was something like that, um, and you were in uh, like Constantinople or something along those lines, um, and you're uh, an assassin, and you can run about the rooftops and like Ooh. clamber over wow. things. And it was very impressive because you could just run your guy up to a building and he would just, like, find handholds and, like, clamber over everything. And the animation was really cool. But they decided to put in this strange meta-narrative where when you weren't running about the city, clambering over rooftops and assassinating people, you were um, in the modern day and you were kind of hooked up to a machine and all the assassin's adventures were sort of genetic memories of yours. Wow. And there was some kind of spooky organization Shit. and something, something, blah, blah, science, nonsense, yeah. something, right? So I don't know why. I mean, I still don't know why they didn't just decide to make a film which you just like, I mean, sorry, make a game where it was just set in that world and you were just doing that. Yeah, so it's very odd because judging by his previous two films, like Justin Curzel's very sort of serious-minded director, and uh, Almost the, comically it's serious. like the cast of like an art house film yeah. so far. Um, so it'd be interesting to see how it turns out, because there have been no good video game movies, so famously, no one's cracked it. Yeah. And also, the film... It's one of those that... things, like, we're still waiting, everyone's always waiting for like the, when they will do the one good film that's been adapted from a video game. Yeah. But I think um, part of its problem... Part of the reason why they haven't been successful is that they've often been like quite generic studio movies just looking for a fast buck and no one's really had a creative take on it. So it's a very talented and uh, I, I don't know what the word would be, like some sort of high-minded team. Like, yeah, yeah. Know. And Michael Fassbender is a real movie star with a lot of charisma and I would happily watch him do his thing in a shit film. Also, with the exception of maybe like the X-Men movies, he makes like very interesting choices. He works with good people constantly. Yeah. I like. I always look at his filmography and like he's he's like I don't know his next movie is like a Derek Sierfrance movie whatever. I'm like, oh, is he really? Yeah, oh, that's of cool. course he's working with that guy because he works with smart, cool people all the time. Yeah, yeah. So I have in Fazbender. I trust. We got faith. We've got faith, Fazbender. Don't let me down. We're trusting you, Fazbender. Time for a break from all the film chat. Have a cup of tea, maybe make a quick snack and telephone friends who you know. So, speaking of Michael Fassbender, we and Justin Kurzel and Marion Cotillard, we just <laughs> saw them in the cinema. We only saw one movie this week, 
we didn't sort of um, split our film watching very efficiently for podcast purposes. Guys, you can't expect us to go see The Intern. Come on. Yeah. I'm... We can't see it. <laughs> it looks like shit. Yeah, we're not putting ourselves through that, guys. Don't let me do it. So we both went to see Macbeth. Um, for the unaware, this is uh, whoever you, <laughs> whoever you are, never never heard that before. Um, that's a play by William Shakespeare. It's been adapted to the screen several times. This is the most recent incarnation. It's set in medieval Scotland. Macbeth is the Thane of Glamorous, which is some is like a duke of some area of Scotland, and he's the subject of King Duncan, and he's just headed to war to. Um, fight and uh, defeat the rebellious MacDonald in battle. And then, after the battle, he encounters some strange women who give him a prophecy. Let's hear it. What are these? Live you or are you that man may question? Speak if you can, what are you? stuff atmospheric exactly so scottish um so anyway he becomes convinced that uh he's going to be the king and his manipulative wife lady Macbeth, played by marion cotillard encourages him to do some very nasty things Ooh. to reach power and then he goes a bit power crazy and he goes a bit, a bit nuts goes a bit nuts so um, danny what did you think i think there's a movie i more like admired than enjoyed and reflecting on it, I thought it was like a smart adaptation of the source material, but it didn't really grab me. And there were some elements to it which I found a, a bit difficult and a bit distancing. I don't know. It's um, foolish to say there's like a definitive version of uh, any Shakespeare work because it's obviously performed all the time. But Macbeth has been an awesome Wells, that hack. He did a, one that's supposed to be really, really good. Uh, Akira Kurosawa did his adaptation uh, called Throne of Blood, which is amazing. And Rowan Polanski did one in the 70s, which I haven't seen, which is also to be excellent. And I think the biggest compliment I can pay this movie is that it really, um, it's its own beast. It kind of carved out a very particular take on it. And I think the take is the best thing, which is that they've added this prologue scene where it's uh, Macbeth and his wife burying their uh, young son who's died. And so the whole, that puts the whole... Um, piece in this context of him of a grieving couple which uh puts a new spin on all these kind of familiar kind of crazy histrionics that happen that's sort of like play. willingness to um embrace some quite like insane ideas and do nutty things yeah yeah exactly and it becomes more like it sort of i guess psychologically centers them a bit more yeah because i think it's one of like shakespeare's crazier plays and it's like very easy to overdo it because it kind of the shit has to fan early on, and it's a bit like it could become a bit tiring watching sort of crazy people do stuff. But to its credit, it's very underplayed, and I think the performances really are really really strong. They're like the best thing about the movie, really. Yeah, Fast Fastbender and Cosi are both really really good. Um, I thought it was incredibly um, beautiful to look at. It's one of like 
I don't know, just thought it was amazing. The photography and stuff was really, really spectacular. And uh, it has some really great shots of Scotland. I don't know if it was actually shot in Scotland, but Scotland seems to be a land of sweeping snowy peaks um, and misty moors and beautiful castles and stuff like that. Um, <laughs> and it was really, like, atmospheric and, uh, yeah, really yeah. beautiful. That, the, that clip is very much... Uh emblematic of the entire film it's all yeah, like that it's, it is all like that <laughs> I've, i found that the relentlessness of that tone became a little bit tiring by the end no yeah I that, agree. That, there's that sort of underscoring of it's either um these kind of dissonance yeah ongoing strings hey, you say something and i'll just put some music in later and else whatever you say now will be really foreboding okay make a point it's either kind of uh, the kind of weepy strings, like this is kind of spooky and eerie and sad, or it's more like doom-laden, low bassy notes and like some crazy shit's going to happen, that kind of thing. And it kind of ebbed and flowed um, with the momentum of the scenes. But it did get a little bit... Because it, because that it made it so... Like that and the sort of pristine visuals and the slow, um, emotional, intense performances made the whole thing so mannered that by the end I sort of felt like I'd got it you know no, like yeah, that, that, that approach no, doesn't have the same dramatic power in minute 90 I think or, or minute 110 like when that has been what you've been experiencing like the entire time also one complaint that I had as someone who is not incredibly familiar with the text of Macbeth is that I couldn't understand quite a lot of the lines like, I don't want to sound like an of, idiot um... but Guys of huge beards grumbling. Yeah, maybe it's because of their huge beards or like Maron Cotillard's, um, you know, sort of Scottish, French, English accent. And a huge beard. And also her huge beard is also a problem. But I genuinely couldn't understand quite a lot of the lines. I was really trying to. They're, they're, very, they're very whispery and grumbly and emotional and intense the whole way through. Um, and it didn't lend itself um, to being the, uh, the most distinct kind of diction which is what something that you can do in movies i guess like compared to on the stage you, you in a film one of the advantages is that you can afford to be really quiet and really like personal and be really naturalistic in your delivery because you're not projecting but i just couldn't i just couldn't understand them and it was kind of annoying because because i'm not that familiar with macbeth i was looking forward to this movie in a way to experience the text in a, in a way that was like fresh you know, I mean, obviously a lot of bits are very famous and I recognize them, but I just couldn't hear them all the time. And it, kind of <laughs> was, it was it was irritating. I don't know. Yeah. I, I think I would have gotten more out of it if I was like, if I knew what they were saying without having to actually understand it. Yeah. I might be um, repeating myself slightly, but I think it's like, you know, Shakespeare plays the, you know, obviously the dialogue is incredible, but no one talks like that. No one talks in dense monologues. No one uh, describes what's happening off screen in a film. Yeah, yeah. And so, um, like, to replicate that into a film, like, it's so obviously not like real life, but to make it, like, connect emotionally, you've got to somehow get around that problem. And this film just sort of more, I don't know, it never really did it for me. It never really... You never really no. felt like real people. Was. No, no, I I agree. Like even though the performances were really good, I didn't really feel involved. The the whole time I was sort of watching it and thinking about the craft of it and how well it was done. Yeah, but I wasn't really involved in the story. Yeah, and I think if you're the more familiar with the play, the more you enjoy it. In I a way. agree. Also because it's so stripped, like they've pared the play right down. It's really only got the the lines that you absolutely need to be able to understand what the hell's happening. 
and the rest of it is pretty much taught in like glances and you know slow motion action and that kind of thing yeah because i think uh this might have gone far too long but like just like the fun of um an adaptation is like how the makers do it and it's like fun with Shakespeare if you're like familiar with it. It's like how are they going to get around that? No, bit? I think or how they gonna I think I think that's a I think that? that's an excellent point. I think that's an excellent point. Like I think that if you're watching it from that perspective of like how will they do Macbeth, knowing Macbeth inside out, then I think you will get as more, I do as, I as do. Danny does. I'm a Macbeth scholar. I think you will get more out of it than someone coming fresh to it and being like, just tell me the story, you know, mm. like and let's we'll you know we'll see how we get on. Yeah. 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 So yeah, but good. You not know, to recommend it. Yeah, I wouldn't say not good. Yeah, but just not. I wasn't like totally as overwhelmed as some r- critics were. Yeah, it's got, it's got a very um, rapturous reception, mm. and I think they're slightly cooler on it. Yeah, than the bloody tr- fucking critics. Fucking mainstream critics. Wankers, aren't they? Wankers. They're probably give me just, your jobs. Yeah, <laughs> <laughs> give us your jobs. Yeah, they're probably just there sipping their like gift bag full of champagne and like you probably, know, yeah. cocaine. They're like, yeah, it's five stars, whatever. <laughs> <laughs> Fights for the cocaine, because <laughs> cocaine. Five fucking stars. <laughs> you got it, son. Five stars. No worries. Oh, you wrote a template. All right, here we go. Insert film here. I uh, saw Macbeth. It was great. That's Bradshaw later. Fucking Bradshaw. Fucking Bradshaw. Fuck you, Bradshaw. Fuck you, Bradshaw. Fuck you. Yesterday I bumped into Imelda Staunton. She was up with her dog and we. Talking. I asked her what she does when she isn't acting. She said she likes podcasts for relaxing. Imelda, when you're in the mood, what do you listen to? She said, I listen to one podcast, I listen to one podcast. Will you the ones can kiss my ass? I listen to one podcast. Film chat, film chat, film chat, film chat, film chat. And finally, Danny and I didn't prepare anything to say at the end of this episode. So it's time to go on Twitter, see what's trending. Wait, Rick Moranis is trending. Well, holy shit, guys. Fuck. Every time someone trends on Twitter, I think they're dead. That's my first instinct. <laughs> Unless they're, like, obviously very young. Breaking news, guys. Rick Moranis has declined a cameo in the Ghostbusters reboot. Oh. What? What? It's been a while since we've discussed Ghostbusters. Yeah. But basically, since we last discussed it, all the original uh, remaining Ghostbusters have now filmed cameos. Yeah, the whole cast is back, except for Harold Ramis, because he sadly passed away. So, um, but Rick Moranis is like, well, he was a Ghostbuster in the second film, and he's sort of like, you know, he is part of the gang. Absolutely. And what, but what about um, the, um, the secretary? I don't remember the actress's name, but uh, you know that we got one! Like her. Is she back as well? Oh, I don't know. I, I hope, hope so. she's got a cameo. You know what I would like to see? That, like, the actor who plays the mayor in of New yeah. York is now, like, the president or something in the third film. Yeah. He's still in it, but he's still as, like, cranky as ever. He still doesn't like, like the Ghostbusters. Being an asshole and treating everybody like shit is every New Yorker's God-given right. That yeah. guy. Yeah. Brilliant. Get me the Ghostbusters. It's ridiculous here. Shut it off. <laughs> it's true. Yes, it's true. This man has no dick. Yeah, I'd like to see him back as well. I'd also like to see back the sort of slimy, like the slimy aide to the mayor in Ghostbusters 2. Yeah, why not? They're like a couple now. Yeah, yeah, (laughs) yeah. They're like a gay couple now. Um, I know he was in Midnight in Paris. That guy as Rachel Adams's dad. So McAdams, excuse me. Sorry, Rachel. So there's, you know, he's obviously still working. There's no reason why he can be. This is a massive non sequitur, but. I can no, by, see by, we're, we're in this is we're in free territory. So I was flicking through the channels and I on channel five they're showing CSI Cyber, 
which is the new mm. CSI spin-off starring Patricia Arquette as head of like the cyber. They'd solve like hacking crimes. They solve it through apps. Yeah. Someone, someone working on CSI watched Boyhood anyway. and was like, put this guy in, put this brilliant woman in a cyber crime exactly. unit. So the first thing is uh, like every CSI um, theme tune is a Who song. Yeah, right. so what's this one? This one's uh, I Can See For Miles, which is like this <laughs> sort of hilariously upbeat 60s tune. Uh, secondly, the head, like the sort of, you know, suit, you know, the boss guy who's like cranky but actually like good, is uh, Yanish from Ghostbusters 2. No, really? Yeah. That's awesome. And from Abby McBeal. Uh, Abby McBeal. Abby McBeal as well. Yeah, where he was like weird he didn't have that sort of unplaceable European accent. <laughs> anyway... It was amazing. Like it's like such a piece of shit. This, this TV show. Every line is exposition. Like every single line. <laughs> it's worth watching. I would say. Does he, it's so shit. Is he doing an accent or is he just being American? No, he's just like. American. He's not doing any of his like if, slides if are available was, in the gift shop type yeah, stuff. Yeah, if he was or... doing his Carpathian accent, the upper west side. All that stuff. <laughs> Everything yeah. you're doing is wrong. Everything you're doing is bad. I want you to know this. I love you. I love you. Why am I dripping this goo? Great movie. <laughs> <laughs> Do you we're alienating our audience? We're just constantly talking no, about No, we're not. We're too. making them want to see Ghostbusters 2. Anyway, um, guys, I hope you enjoyed that <laughs> little bit of focused banter there. That's why you listen in every week, isn't it? For that kind of brilliant banter. So, Danny telling me about what TV just watched and that kind of thing. Yeah. So if you've seen CSI Cyber, get in touch. Maybe we could watch it together because I was really enjoying it. I didn't ever want to discuss all the stupid bits with. Yeah. Um, if you want to join Danny and I for a marathon um, viewing of CSI Cyber, the new TV show starring Patricia Arquette, get in touch. Maybe we can hang out. Till then. God, see you next Godspeed. 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 deserves the best and there's no better place to shop for Mother's Day than Whole Foods Market. They're your destination for unbeatable savings. From premium gifts to show-stopping flowers and irresistible desserts. Start by saving 33% with Prime on all body care and candles. Then get a 15-stem bunch of tulips for just $9.99 each with Prime. Round out mom's menu with festive rosé, irresistible berry chantilly cake, and more special treats. Come celebrate Mother's Day at Whole Foods Market. Hi, I'm Daniel, founder of Pretty Litter. Cats and cat owners deserve better than any old-fashioned litter. That's why I teamed up with scientists and veterinarians to create Pretty Litter. Its innovative crystal formula has superior odor control and weighs up to 80% less than clay litter. Pretty Litter even monitors health by changing colors to help detect early signs of potential illness. It's the world's smartest kitty litter. Go to prettylitter.com and use code ACAST for 20% off your first order and a free cat toy. Terms and conditions apply. See site for details. Even when we're on a budget, we still deserve nice things. Quince is a place to scoop up stunning high-end goods for 50 to 80% less than similar brands. They have buttery soft cashmere sweater starting at $50 luxurious Italian leather bags, and so much more. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. Get the high-end goods you'll love without the high price tag with Quince. Go to quince.com style for free shipping and 365-day returns.